Welcome to episode 39 of Deepening Roots and Growing Branches here at New Life Evangelical Free Church in Hastings, Minnesota. This is Paul Arneberg, Director of Disciple by Doing with Pastor Brent Kampelin and part three of our transformational outcome called Consuming to Stewarding and the second part with Mike Larson of New Life Church. He also lives in uh, western Wisconsin and works in Red Wing and is a regenerative farmer. And by the way, <laughs> episode 39, it's your birthday episode now, Mike. I heard <laughs> right. that you're 39 years old and therefore welcome to your golden birthday <laughs> podcast. We're glad to have you here for the yep. second part. So um, before I start, uh, I'm gonna, I have a question for you to um, uh, recap regenerative farming, but I thought of this verse in our pre-production just now. This is First um, Timothy 6. Um, six to eight. Now there is great gain in godliness with contentment, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything mm. out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. And the context that you didn't hear in the pre-show is that when we are content doing the Lord's will, we will have our needs met, including mm. creative things like regenerative farming, and it even goes back to the American Great Depression in the in the 1930s. There's some phenomenon that some people didn't even know the Depression was happening because they were providing for themselves through the land that God ordained, as opposed to the fiat currency, technology, and things that are artificial and specialized. So Mike, with that in mind, with 1 Timothy 6 in mind, what is contentment? Talk about regenerative farming as a re cap, but also then go into some of your own alliteration about how you're trying to be different from the world. Yes. Yeah. Contentedness. That's a great word. Um, we often think of um, in, in anything we manage, whether it's a farm or anything in life, of this command and control aspect. Like that's kind of our duty. It's just command and control it, uh, command and control the situation and the outcomes. And, yeah. um, and it's driven by consumerism. Like mm. We want to consume that. And yes. We want to be efficient in doing that. Um, the opposite of that would be culturing or cultivating and caring. Mm. Um, and um, the goal for that is to do that in, in the lens of um, community or communing with one another. Yep. Um, and so regenerative farming, to answer your question, is, is kind of a way of cultivating and caring mm. versus commanding and controlling. So it's a holistic uh, way of farming, yes. um, looking at all the inputs and all the outputs of each individual thing mm-hmm. and how they're all connected as a whole. And so it, it's kind of the old school way of farming um, where you had old McDonald's farm, so uh-huh. to speak, all, <laughs> the, all the animals integrated with each other. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of what we're trying to achieve at Mulberry Meadows. So let's key off of the animals right now because we touched on them last time. You mentioned you had two sheep in your minivan from Rochester, mm-hmm. and then you're up to 37, and that's after you sold some to another local farmer. Uh, we know that one of Christina, your wife's favorite things to do is to milk the cow, or excuse me, milk the goats. But uh, maybe give another rundown. How do the donkeys and the sheep and the chickens and uh, the rabbits and the um, what else, the ducks? Uh, how do they all interrelate? And what's been your journey? And also, I would love to hear the heart of your daughter about how Raina loves the animals and even touch on the grief and the cycle of life that is inevitable with any livestock operation. Yes, yeah. So even prior to sheep, we uh, the gateway to this was chickens. You know, that's, mm, yes, um, <laughs> with it is for most people. Yes, and, yep. um, and, and rabbits I, um, as well. So mm-hmm. rabbits, um, the neat thing about rabbits is that um, their manure, their droppings are can be used instantly as fertilizer. Wow. Most manure has to age or mm-hmm. um, before they can be put on the ground, but mm-hmm. manure, rabbit manure, you can put right in the garden. So wow. um, that's the neat thing about rabbits. But yeah, yeah chickens, um, you know, eggs, we 
that's what we use them for. And we also have meat birds as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but sheep, um, the nature of a sheep is um, so critical to regenerative farming and pasture because they're a ruminant am- animal. Mm. And um, so that rumen in their, their system really, uh, it's like the, the perfect well-designed machine mm. <laughs> for growing grass and soil. So, oh. What is ruminant then? Define that for us. Ah, uh, boy, I can't do it off the top of my head. Is but it a <laughs> chemical in the, in the bile of the yeah. intestines or something or, yep. the, or the stomach? Because uh, cows, cows are another ruminant an- animal, but they have four stomachs. Oh, sure, yep, so, I've heard um, that. Yeah. yeah, they'll eat during the day, graze during the day, and then you'll see them sitting there contentedly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yep, chewing, their chewing their cud. Chewing their cud. Yeah. Yeah, but you're right. There's a, f- a whole s- life cycle aspect of it, and mm. that's something that you know I learned um, new to sheep is that you know there's the the life of the first year we had lambs, for instance. It mm. was just um, you know very emotional. You could of see course. birth being born, and um, a few la- years later we had you know some stillborns and other mm. things that you know didn't quite work out. And um, but yeah, there's <laughs> the joy of seeing birth, um, and then there's just the joy. You know, the little lambs, the cutest thing in the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're running around, and um, you know, biblically, you know, you just think of like the Passover lamb and how yes. hard it would have been to to have the lamb in the house and then to care for it and then have to you know ultimately sacrifice it. Yeah. Um, and so then, at when it comes time to to harvest the sheep, you know, mm-hmm. it's another part of life that yeah. we all had to learn and really hard, um, I think. Yeah. But it's interesting because, like, um, I think the animal is designed so that every part of the animal uh, is used in mm. some way, shape, mm. or form. Um, actually, there's a great exhibit up at the um, History Museum, mm. I think it's St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a, a bison on, oh. the, on the display there, and it shows you every single aspect of the animal uh, the bones, the the meat, and mm-hmm. all the organs, and the how that, yeah, how that can be used for, for everything. Um, skin, leather, you know, yeah. uh, in my job at Red Wing Shoe, you know, leather's the primary ingredient. Of course. Yeah. Um, and that lasts. Yes, it does. And so it's interesting, too, like even original books, you know, parchment and vellum was mm. sheepskin. So oh, that's yeah. how the, the word of God was written on that. Yes. Oh, yeah. Scrolls. So That's right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So uh, could you say a word about, uh, speaking for myself, I've often referred to my cat, Chip. Wendy and I have been married almost 31 years, and we've only had one pet in our entire history. But that little 12-pound cat has taught me a lot about compassion. Say another word there, and this might even touch the hearts of the audience that aren't regenerative farmers or don't even have chickens <laughs> for that matter. How does the animal stewardship you have, husbandry is another word for mm, animal yeah. um, care. How does that teach you about compassion, about the love of God, and also about the cycle of life, which is inevitable? And so I've heard it said that farmers are much more in touch, not only with the land, but they're in touch with the cycles of life because they have to live every day with loss and gain, mm. that that whole uh, uh, give and take of, of the reality of our fallen world. Yeah. Yeah, regenerative is cyclical. That's kind of the nature of it. And so, yeah, with with death, there's rebirth. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, so there's moments of pain and loss, mm-hmm. but there's moments of joy. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, and, and you're right. Yeah, I keep thinking of a list of, of roles, you know, husband, men, uh, caretaker, servant, steward. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, our role is to keep, guard, and protect. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the sheep are right there in our backyard. It's We can look out the windows and see them. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, that was one of our first projects early on was to fence in this acreage. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, that's the beauty of electric fences is you have a you have some sort of um, peace of mind that the sheep are there. Mm-hmm. But every time you hear a coyote howl, you know, you always, 
your, your ears prick up and you kind of just like, yeah, how yeah. are the sheep doing? You know, have you ever lost one to a coyote? We haven't. No, okay, that's good. Um, they've been very close. I've been out and out. We have a little bit of woods too, and they're surround us a lot. Um, mm. We just recently got donkeys, and, and they're considered like a guardian animal. Yes, I've heard so, that. They're pretty uh, yeah. ornery <laughs> and big. Yes. Those are big, <laughs> muscular animals. Right. Um, yeah, so keeping, guarding, and protecting the flock, there's a responsibility that comes with that. And yeah. um, we're managers of them, and I always have to remind myself that I'm not the, the manager, but we're middle managers, right? Ah. Yeah. There's the big the big boss upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and it, you know, it's just interesting being out on the farm and, um, you know, seeing, being part of a tradition of shepherds throughout mm. history, you know, yeah. it's probably one of their original trades, if you will. Or, yeah. That's one of the durable uh, trades in Rory Grove's book we talked about. Right, shepherd yeah. is, I think, in number one, mm-hmm. actually. So I, I just picture myself of being, you know, Shepherds in the Bible. Moses was a shepherd. Yep. He would have experienced those same uh, emotions of joy mm. and, and loss and pain. And um, yeah, it's just yep. N- it's it's just encouraging to know that you're part of a tradition. You know, going back many many thousands, thousands, of, years. thousands of years. Yep. And I think all the patriarchs, at least Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and David, mm-hmm. were all shepherds. Right. And then, of course, our Lord Jesus is the great shepherd mm-hmm. and the good shepherd. Great shepherd is in Hebrews thirteen. Good shepherd is John ten. Go back and read those passages. Pastor Brian, get a word in edgewise here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm enjoying listening. This has been fun. Uh, I love that that imagery and that metaphor. I mean, not only I mean it. It's something that is. Uh, it's so powerful in Scripture how we see examples from key characters within the Scriptures, parts uh, of the the Bible that kind of unfold, and you see these different people coming in who uh, Moses is a shepherd. This is a reflection of God describes himself in that way that you see through the prophets and Mm. then on into the New Testament. Over and over, you'll see these examples of... um, the 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 leaders of Israel being described as shepherds in Ezekiel who are abusing, destroying, eating the mm. the sheep of Israel. There, there's like a, a malpractice in their shepherding, and yet God then says, "But I will come. I will shepherd my people." Mm. And there's this. Um, it's just beautiful. I mean, even this. Of course, Psalm 23 about oh, yes. how God uh, is our 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 shepherd. He's leading us to places of of rest and of abundance and of to drink a cold water and uh. the protection that's involved there this that psalm is so beautiful and then it also makes me think of um first peter chapter five yes of describing the elders the leaders the overseers of the church as those like shepherds overseeing the flock that's been entrusted so this is first peter five verses two and then following i'll skip a little bit it says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And then when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Mm. It's like a great picture yes. of what shepherding leadership really is is actually, you can see a perfect illustration and image of it in the stewarding that it takes to actually shepherd sheep. Because you, um, watching over and guarding, having their care, having care as your approach means that you're doing things for their well-being. It also means you're not doing it out of compulsion. There's like a sense of willingness and desire, and there's an engagement of your heart in this. 
you're not doing it out of dishonest gain. There's not a sense of controlling or commanding or trying to get the outputs I want yeah. on my terms. But there's a sense of a, an eagerness to serve, not lording it over. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's a reflection of the reality, as you said. Uh, leadership, the picture of leadership biblically is under shepherd, middle manager. Yep, that's it's right. like the, there's a chief shepherd, mm-hmm. uh, not ultimately the one in, in charge, but it's this eagerness to serve. So I, I love that. I, I'm inspired by that mm. in a pastoral role in the local church, but I think Jesus makes so clear in how he talks to the disciples as they're arguing about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And they even, even, I mean, it's a little embarrassing, but even one of their moms comes to Jesus and is <laughs> yeah. like, which one of my boys is going to be in charge? Yep. And it's just, Jesus looks at him and says, no, the Gentiles lord it over. He's like, that's not, the, the, the rulers of this world, they take that approach of what can I control and get what I want out of this situation and manipulate people? Mm-hmm. And he's saying, that's not what's going to be like with you. You're going to, the greatest among you is going to be the servant of all. Yep. Wow. Where, where we get the phrase servant leadership. That's a thoroughly biblical idea is servant leadership. Yep. And in your case, Mike, it's servant farming mm-hmm. as it were. Yeah, yeah. I think that that approach would be similar. If you're going to really do regenerative farming or like farming in the ways that are cooperating with the design that God made mm-hmm. for these people, this land and these creatures yeah. is really you have to take an approach of being a servant of and, and an eagerness to see the fruitfulness of, of these cre- creatures in this place yeah. and not what can I get out of it. There's, right? there's another book that I've read called, um, it's called Sacred Cow, but it says um, it's not the cow, it's the how. Ah. Um, so mm. often animal farming operations get bad publicity, mm-hmm. you know, and people immediately point the finger at the cow. But the cow is just doing what it does. Oh, sure. You know, the cowness of the cow. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's and right. It's the how, the farmer's management of the cow, huh. that yeah. is, the, is the problem. Um, so, yeah, it's a, a great book and a great read. And, um, yeah, it's just yep. kind of ties into what we're... Yeah, the, the key phrase that I'll, I'll come back to, and then we can do some more applications here. Something that's part of the core values of what we're doing as we approach ministry at New Life, like huh. as I can speak from about that, is this idea of cooperating with God's design. Mm-hmm. We want to see that at all levels and in all situations, right? So how is my life as a disciple coming into alignment with God's design in his good ways. He made me on purpose, with a purpose, and then also in ways that are designed to thrive. So how does cooperating with God's design relate to my uh, my relationships, a marriage? You wonder why sometimes you see like marriages just crumbling, unhealthy, dysfunctional. When you actually, when you come in alignment, it's not just rote obedience that that we're talking about. It's, it's, cooperating with the good and beautiful ways that God made this relationship to be. That's why he gave us commands in scripture. It's not to oppress us with rules. It's to show us the the boundaries, is to help us understand how it can thrive. Those things are helping us understand to cooperate with the way that God made things to be fruitful and thriving. So limits aren't bad. Limits help us operate within the realm that God made something to function in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. So uh, that applies in so many different contexts. But I think that keyword, cooperating with God's design, it's personal in my own life. It's also corporate as a church, mm-hmm. as, a, as a local church, as an expression of the church across time and across this world, across uh, history. And then also um, how we interact with God's creation. So uh, am I viewing 
my things and my place as something that I just get things from, I consume, I just control them? Mm -hmm. Or am I uh, cooperating with uh, what God's called me to do to make fruitful all the things that God has given me responsibility for? It's just a totally different perspective when you view it as cooperating with God and his design. That's right. Coming in alignment with it. My question, I know we're going to get to more applications, Brent, but I would like to know more about any crops that you raise, uh, or is it primarily animals, or do you actually have uh, gardens that you're expanding, and how much do you grow of your own food, and, and do you actually sell any of your, other than the uh, the sheep you sold to a local farmer, do you sell any of your other chickens for meat, or you sell your eggs, and, and what kind of crops do you grow? Because I think a lot of the listeners would be interested to know, mm. how much do you expand beyond your property, how much do you actually enjoy for your family's provision? Yeah, uh, at the moment, we're not commercial, so mm-hmm. we uh, it's for <laughs> home consumption. And mm-hmm. uh, pretty soon, though, who knows? Maybe maybe we'll expand beyond that. But um, you know, us homeschooling the kids on the on the property, it's mm-hmm. uh, just nice to just kind of eat off the land. Really yep. nice, yeah. Really um, nice. What so, percentage yeah. do you think? Do you, it's a good chunk of your grocery budget is taken by growing your own food. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know the percentages, but yeah. there's many times we're sitting down at the table and like, oh, everything that we're eating here came from the the farm. Yeah, I love <laughs> yeah. that. And it's just amazing how often that happens. But um, yeah, in addition to animals, we, we do have gardens. We have um, a, a lot of raised beds. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, and we do we that have, too. Uh, orchards mm-hmm. that we're growing. So apple trees, um, yep. planted a cherry tree and yeah. pear trees, mm-hmm. um, a lot of blueberries and strawberries and raspberries. So. Excellent. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, like pr- probably common to all farmers or people who grow food is um, just the the frustration when things don't go right, right? Uh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so often when I'm out in the ship, I just <laughs> wish that I could just talk sheep, you know, and just tell them what their sh- where they should go and uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. what they should do. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, it just brings to mind like um, even just uh, whenever we go astray as, as sheep, yeah, yes. just how that must pain, you know, mm. our Father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And it just makes me realize too that um, Jesus as the Great Shepherd became the sheep and the yeah. lamb. Yes. And so he knows and knows our situation yep. better than anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's, that's a shout out. It. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you're going to say, I was just going to say, uh, just when, when pastor Brent, uh, preached on John 19, I remember you said, read as a devotional this week, Isaiah 52 and 53. Now, whenever yep. this drops, it's always a time to read Isaiah 52 and 53, but that's so clear that we like sheep have gone astray. Mm-hmm. And we know from gospel of John, the, uh, John the Baptist said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So those real life examples are a way for us to understand our spiritual condition, Jesus sacrificed for us and our Lord as the good shepherd, which by the way, Psalm 23 was written by a shepherd named King David. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I think something that's coming out in our conversation here is this um, whole life approach and seeing God's good design and purpose in 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 seeing his his good his good ways that he made things to be. And so when we come in alignment with those, it's no doubt that there's flourishing. When we try and fight against him, it's 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 no doubt that there's destruction or that there's abuse or that there's there's degeneration rather than regeneration, uh, yes. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. That that even that even comes. I mean, that we feel that personally, where when you see relationships, for example, as something that I view through a what can I like? A, we can we can approach life through almost like a user mm-hmm. kind of a context, like a uh, what I I I um I, I have this 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 approach of consuming means that I'm a 
I, I want to know what can I get out of this? And we can use people in relationships for what we think we need from them. Mm-hmm. And it ends up being another form of consumption, if you will, of my emotional needs or something. You're not actually in the relationship for the other person. Uh-huh. Something that Mike and I talked about just off air a little bit ago was just when you change this approach and you take rather than the short view, what can I get out of this? Um, you, when you take the long view in a relationship with someone, you approach things in a totally different way. You spend time together in a different way. You ask questions in a different way. You take offenses differently mm. because you, you, you know that you're in it for the long haul. So you don't want to hold that grudge. You actually want to have forgiveness because mm. you don't want to live with that forever. Yeah. The long game changes things. It's the same thing with the regenerative farming. When you're viewing it through the long game, like what I'm hearing you say is it requires a humility, patience. It requires you to press through the frustrations and to be able to come out on the other side with something that's actually helpful rather than just destructive, <laughs> right? We can do that in relationships. And I think when you, that's what we mean in some ways, the alignment with God's good design will cause flourishing, but it is a long process. It's not, um, it's not just viewing it like, what do I get out of this right now? We need to like avoid that at all costs. Yep. And that word humility, I'm going to hearken back to episode 38 when Mike, you brought up the word humility and human both derived from the Latin root hummus or humus, meaning earth or ground. And it reminds me of the old adage, you say that, oh, that person's down to earth. Well, I think that's synonymous. That person's <laughs> humble. That person's relatable because we're acting the way God designed us to be, to be relatable, to be servants of others, but also to be mutually fulfilled by being how we're designed to be in community. And in your case, also with the ground, with the animals, with your family. And then you get to look around the kitchen table sometimes and say, this all was grown here at Mulberry Meadows yeah. in Wisconsin. That's really exciting. Wendy made pumpkin bars recently for a family from New Life we had over and she said there's pumpkins from Arnishire I said great I love it I love eating from our own land so yeah. it's exciting to do that a lot yeah I love the the keeping the long view in mind I'm just thinking about this as our church uh, and then I've got another question for you Mike um, the long view changes it changes our perspective on church as well because we're no longer going well how can we get as many people in here and out of here as possible for a worship experience yes it's like no <laughs> We're in this together for the long haul. I like I approach this differently, you know, as as a pastor is I'm looking at a church family and community knowing I'm a member of these people as well. Mm-hmm. And that in every interaction and in week by week presenting the word of God and counseling people in leadership decisions, I'm always thinking about the long view. Mm-hmm. I want to be around here. I'm planning on being around here for a long time. <laughs> and that means that we walk through difficulty, we encounter change, yes. we navigate vision decisions, we go, what do we do with our facility and our property? All these things all have the long game in mind. And so relationally, that matters. Decision-making, that matters. I mean, it's just like a totally different perspective when you view it through that way. What, what I want to know, Mike, is talk to, talk us about not only the farming at home, but also in your role at Red Wing mm-hmm. Shoes. Talk to me about how you have the long game in mind. And then even like you were commenting on my computer bag a minute ago <laughs> before we were got on the air here. Um, how do we how does that play out in like our approach to rather than consume consuming stewarding? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned, I work for a consumer product goods company, Red Wing Shoe. And uh, they are um, just down the river from Hastings here mm-hmm. in Red Wing, obviously. Yep. And um 
they uh, the brand that I work for in product design development is the Heritage Division, which is kind of a neat um, neat place to work in because um, all the leather comes from the tannery right there in Red Wing, yep. and it's made in Red Wing, and um, it's carrying on as the brand name implies the heritage of the company. So mm. our the products we design and build are from our archives. Mm. So we're looking at designs from the twenties. Wow, and, you yeah. know, and years. then we're keeping that tradition alive. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because when I look at other companies, other brands, it, there's such a desire for convenience and for making things uh, fast and cheap. Yep. And um, yep. that's uh, it, there's a danger in that. You know, um, I think we mentioned earlier that how comparison is the thief of happiness. Uh, yeah. And yep. so then our happiness is robbed by comparing ourselves to others. So we become unhappy. Um this comparison drives consumerism, and then consumerism is fueled by uh, convenience, you know, uh, fast and cheap. Yep. And so a lot of companies, um, they, they understand this human nature. And so it's easy for a profit-hungry producer to, to understand these human motivators and just um, make products simply good enough uh, um, to yeah. appeal to our human nature, um, to low-cost, instant comfort, instant availability. And so um, you can easily design the goods. It's called planned obsolescence. Um, oh. So, um, ah, Like batteries on the cell phones, right? Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> it's frustrating. <laughs> um, and then, you know, it's so easy in the factory setting because there's an emphasis on quantity over quality. You can take shortcuts or you mm-hmm. make substitutions with materials or ingredients. Yep. Um, and there's a hidden cost to that. Oh, for sure. Um, uh, there's a hidden cost of cheap goods. It does damage to our health and environment in many mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. Um and I guess that it can be said of convenience in general. There's a hidden cost to convenience in yeah. all aspects. So it reminds me of the dollar menu at McDonald's when yeah. I used to go there a lot. When, remember episode 34 when I used to eat a lot of extra calories. The dollar menu is exponentially more expensive than a dollar. Or now maybe it's two or three. I've not been to McDonald's for a long, long time. But no, convenience food mm. is a cost that we can't see nutritionally, not just with the weight, but with mood and with overall health. And similarly, Mike, when you make those quality shoes down at Red Wing, they will last a long time and you're helping everything. You're helping. Yeah. Oh, you said this also off air. It's like a cost per use yeah. calculation right. also. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of backwards. It, it takes efforts for the consumer to understand this, but like you see an expensive thing on the at the store, mm-hmm. um, but you have to divide that cost over the times you use it. So, um, yeah. yes. for example, a pair of Red Wings could cost $300. Wow. But if they last you for 10 years, you know, it's just fraction your pennies yep. or if you see another boot on the shelf that's maybe less maybe it's a hundred dollars yeah but it's going to wear out in six months or a year mm-hmm. then you know so there's a saying that says um buy once or cry and cry once yeah <laughs> and yeah. um buy better buy less you know it's just uh, uh, yeah. another adage yeah but you mentioned mcdonald's too and going back to maybe farming and sheep um i just found this fact out too um McDonald's hamburger on average costs about two dollars, mm. um, and when you factor in how much meat is in that, um, it it comes to sixteen dollars a pound. Wow, that's how much you're paying for it. But if you were to go to a local grass-fed farmer, you know, practicing regenerative um, principles, yep. it's seven dollars a pound. Mm-hmm. So it's the cost per use and, and the yeah. nutritional value um, is. They're, they're salad eaters. <laughs> We're getting their omega-3 fatty acids they ate in their salad that yeah. Joel Salatin talked about. Right. Yeah. Love yeah. that. Yeah, there's so many layers to that because the hidden cost is mm. not just the per pound, right? The, I love that that illuminating that statistic for us, but the 
opportunity loss of how much nutrition you're not getting, (laughs) right? That you're paying more for something that's not very good for you. It's just doubly bad. But, uh, you know, you were commenting on my Filson uh, computer bag, which I got as a gift from my previous ministry, previous church. Um, And it's, you know, I hope it's the last computer bag I have. Yeah. And, and so I carry it around all over the place. There's a couple people at church call it my man purse. <laughs> and, like, and I just say, you know what? I think it's just because you're jealous. <laughs> oh my gosh. The other aspect too of durable goods is oftentimes they're designed to be repaired. So there's yeah. a repairability aspect. Like with footwear, um, you can resole that boot many times. Yep. Um, and so that's, um, yeah, it's just neat to, to always, you know, be able yep. to be repaired. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so one other aspect of this, like an analogy for me is you can take shortcuts in your relationship with God mm. by trying to um, take a shortcut to watch like a, I don't know, watch a video that sort of explains the things instead of, maybe there's a bad example, but you could try and find a shortcut that is like the way to get the information to me as quickly, cheaply, conveniently, as fast as possible, mm. rather than maybe the pressing in over the long term to deal with the nuances of a particular thing. Yes. So we can go, well, how am I going to grow as a disciple of Jesus? Um, is I, you, can, you can view it as like, well, what's the fastest and easiest way for me to do that? And it's just like the wrong question. Mm. Yes. The, the, when, it, when you're talking about deeper heart transformation, you're talking about being formed and shaped and molded to be more like Jesus, to see like God work in your life in those ways. We just need to like get rid of the, give me the shortcut mentality Mm -hmm. and go, how can I press in over years, decades to grow in maturity? Mm -hmm. That maturing process comes through hardship. It comes through, I mean, it comes through, um, in a community committed to a community of faith for a long haul. Like there's lots of things that come through a different approach that is more analogous to what you've been describing with the regenerative farming than it is with the shortcut approach. Right. Another thing too, like with farming, a shortcut and a convenience thing would be just to let the sheep be in the field with no paddocks and just Mm -hmm. let them graze wherever they want. um, And whenever they want. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's another analogy I've come up to is that, it, we put them in paddocks, you move them daily and throughout the whole entire field, every inch of ground is touched and every plant is, is eaten from. Mm. Um, it's kind of like reading the Bible, right? So yes. we have our favorite verses we want to go to, yeah. mm. but to train yourself to read the whole entire Bible and touch every part of God's word Amen. is, um, is something that, you know, don't take the shortcut and just That's right. you know, read it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, uh, in his letters talks often about training yes. and about, um, the effort that's put in in that and it's very it's not earning like just to be mm-hmm. making sure we're clear right for those of you listening there's a difference there of his his uh his 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 effort in i'm gonna um take seriously my walk of faith in every aspect of my life and 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 then try and figure out what does it mean to follow jesus with this part of my life and this person and this thing and and he's um you know, you can. I, uh, Paul's one of those guys. I'm sure that he uh, he says that he's like beating his body into submission. I mean, yeah, <laughs> and it's not right. like self-flagellation, but it's like he's he's putting forth, uh, taking his walk of faith in all aspects of who he is. He's taking it seriously yeah. because he wants to see God glorified in all things and to see them become fruitful for God's glory and for His kingdom. And it's not to show off, as Paul is so often very humble yes. about those realities and even self-deprecating. 
his his approach is that um, I want to. He's got I, Paul, the Apostle Paul, someone I, I see as has the long game in mind. Mm-hmm. He just he comes across that way in the way he communicates to the churches. I just love it. Yeah, I, you triggered a, a verse for me out of Paul in, in Philippians 1, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engage in the same conflict, another C word, that you had, that you saw I had now, and you hear that I still have. And so that suffering isn't just being persecuted, which is uh, hard enough, but it, it's suffering in that we're disciplining our body, we're disciplining, as Mike said earlier, uh, the whole counsel of God all over, just like the sheeps, and disciple by doing, just like the sheep have to be moved around the different areas of uh, the Mulberry Meadows family farm so that they are getting their own flourishing and then they're better for their wool, for their, their meat, and for their own quality of life, the sheepness of the sheep. So it all works together. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, I, I, any, anything else you want to add before we wind down here on just your thoughts on regenerative farming and that approach? Yeah, this, it's, it's always neat to see the sheep when we move them to paddock to paddock yep. and just how excited they are to get to the next paddock. And in my mind, I'm like, sheep, it's just grass. You just came from grass. <laughs> and, but there's this eagerness and excitement to uh, be, have new grass. And I, I think that's true for our own soul is like mm, we desire mm. fresh bread each day. Ah, uh, yes. Even if it's just bread, it's fresh. You know? Yes. So. Yeah. I love that. There's so many applications here. So I, I hope through this conversation over the last few episodes that the listeners are, maybe it's maybe it's sparked your imagination. Maybe it's changed some of your perspective on either a practical thing that you're doing, like, boy, I am really stuck in that consumeristic mindset. Or, wow, I tend to buy a lot of really poor quality things rather than one quality thing. Like maybe there's some really simple practical ones. But honestly, I pray that the the big change or transformation in our approach is that we see the goodness of God's calling and his design of us and His the beauty of his creation and how we glorify him in all these areas of life and our relationships. Think deeply about those things. Yes. Think deeply about what it means to be fruitful. Think deeply about what it means to cultivate for fruitfulness, to care, to guard, protect, in whatever context that is, that could be a family relationship, your vocation, doing a good job at your job. Mm-hmm. It could be your participation in civic life. It can be, of course, our relationships in, commu- in the community of faith here in a local church. Because mm-hmm. we have this group of people meeting here on Sundays and then throughout the week in various other contexts. This family of faith and this plot of land at this moment in time, like we have a calling to live these things out of stewarding, showing the goodness, truth, beauty of God's creation, and then pointing to the reality of the gospel, like testifying to who God is and what he has done for us in Christ. And we do that in very practical ways, even in these things that are going through your minds now about stewarding and about seeing things through that um, through that lens and even the illustration of the farming. I just love it. So Excellent. Any final comments, Mike, before we sign off? Oh, no, I just enjoyed the conversation. It's just great to see everything connect together yes. in good and beautiful ways. Yeah, glad and to have you here. Tying together your personality and your background with what Brent just said regarding the corporate worship, it's good to have diversity of perspectives and diversity of personalities. We're so glad you're here, and that reminds us of being moved around as sheep. Get to know other people at New Life Church, not just your own little familiar cliques or familiar even age range. So we are so grateful for Mike and Christina and Raina and Grady Larson, and we're also grateful for episode 39 in the can here at Deepening Roots and Growing Branches. My 
name is Paul Arneberg, director of Disciple by Doing with Pastor Brent Compelin. Our special guests for two episodes have been Mike Larson with uh, Mulberry Meadows Family Farm. See you in episode 40, coming up soon.